0: Stargazers, welcome to Seventh House Astrology, where I take a topic that is either astrological or a topic related to relationships or romance. i investigated it under the lens of synastry astrology, otherwise known as love or relationship astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misak, and I am actually very glad that you guys have joined me for today. So before I begin my episode for today, um, I do have to start off with a direct and retrograde moment that I personally have felt uh, throughout the week. I'm going to start with the retrograde. So retrograde for this week has been uh, when I've been out on walks Guys, really seriously, I'm not trying to pick on you. Really, I'm not. But I don't know where you get the idea that following behind a woman really closely is cool. Um, I've been having this a lot, like at least like 15 times this last month. Um, I also take like evening strolls as well too. And there have been times where on those evening strolls, I've almost had a heart attack because there have been guys who have closely followed right behind me, and when I say closely followed, like an inch away from me, like they could literally touch me. Now, guys, if you don't understand the full breadth, if this if this is a way that it, in which you think that it's cool and you can score a date with a woman by doing this, I just really want to say to you right now, it's not cool. Um, actually, when this has happened to me, the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, not only a very Pluto sort of relationship where there are power issues unresolved, but also Dateline on 2020. And uh, actually, the two coincide, honestly, having Pluto issues, power issues, and the stories that make it to Dateline kind of do coincide. Um, It's only a matter of time before I think that somebody's coming up behind me in order to grab me from behind, kidnap me, and possibly murder me. And it's only a matter of time before that person's either clubbed with my water bottle or a matter of self-defense has to be felt, is felt like it has to be acted on. And I don't think that I am alone on this one. So gentlemen, um, if you are following closely behind women and you think that this is cool, that this is sexy, first off, it makes you look weak. Um, You know, it makes you look like you have some overt Pluto issues going on right now when it comes to power and it's not attractive. Okay. You know, if you think it's like, you know, like trying to be like Christian Grey, well, Christian Grey is not that attractive in my view. Um, because he has a lot of Pluto issues that really need to be resolved, okay? Secondly, it's not cool because it does look very stalkerish. It makes you, it not only makes you look weak, it makes you look predatory. And I'm sure that those are terms that you don't want to associate with, especially if you're just trying to score a date. You want to score a date, you want to get attention. How about doing something the great way? You know, you know here's an instantaneous way to be a check magnet. Here you go. Um, instead of sneaking up behind a woman, face her and say, Hey, good afternoon. Hey, good morning. Hey, good evening. Or, Hey, how are you? Hi, how are you? Start off with conversation starters. Start off with being genuine. Start off with being honest, not dishonest, and not, certainly not causing for heart attacks to happen. Okay. Um, you know, be genuine. Be, you know, be nice, maybe be civil, be polite, but by all means, stop falling behind people, especially closely behind people, unless you want mace unloaded in your face or you want to be clubbed by a water bottle or worse, somebody's studied judo and they throw you out in the street. Okay, it's, it's, it's not cool. It's not okay. Please stop doing that. And also, for anybody else who's also doing that, like following closely behind people, you know, in order to intimidate, in order to gain power. Again, it's there must be like a heavy Pluto influence going on right now. Or maybe everybody's actually, I think what's going on is everybody might be experiencing that Pluto shift from Aquarius or actually from Capricorn to Aquarius. Um, still, um, you to try to gain power by intimidating people. It's like Sith energy from Star Wars. You know, everyone who went for the Sith energy, they became weakened. Okay. Um, hence why they, they sought the power. They sought to defeat the Jedi within the Star Wars series. Um, same thing here with Pluto, over Pluto energies. You become weakened. You look weak. You look powerless. You look insecure. Um, so again, if this is a way to feel indomitable or spirited, stop. You know, try to find other ways to deal with this lack of power that's going on in your life. Try to feel, you know, try to find different ways to resolve excess Pluto energy, which I think, I think is happening within each and every one of us. But, you know, find other ways. Um, there are more constructive ways to do that. And, um, I mean, if you are without, you know, you're kind of without, um, definitely take a look at some tips online. There's lots of them, lots of articles about that, but above all falling behind somebody really closely behind somebody being predatory, it's not going to happen for you. Okay. So knock it off. Okay. Uh, Above and beyond that. Um, so let's just say that the retrograde I did, I have felt a little threatened and I just felt like this was a necessary PSA. So the direct though, I do have to say, um, on this wonderful day of daylight savings time i'm loving the longer days so i'm you know i'm coming into my favorite time of the year loving the longer days so that's always something definitely to look forward to and maybe with the longer days we can kind of you know knock it off with this excess pluto energy of following closely behind somebody when you're on a walk um, and I think this also goes for the store. This also goes for everywhere in between. I've just felt like that that's been happening. Also, maybe I, I know that Pluto is supposed to be making a shift. Actually, I think it has made a shift from Capricorn to Aquarius. I think everybody has been feeling it. Whenever there's a Pluto shift, they kind of feel little more like they need to be in power, but wherever that wherever Aquarius is in your charts, wherever, whichever house that happens to be within um, there are some pretty profound issues and some pretty profound um, sort of themes that will be coming your way within this time. Um, it is a very major shift. Pluto, as we know is that generational planet. So we're moving from age of Capricorn to age of Aquarius. So this will be very interesting as to what will come about. My theory, I'm thinking AI is probably going to be focused on AI and cloning, particularly. You know, knowing that Aquarius is that um, scientific, logical sort of sign of the zodiac and also the forward thinker. I'm kind of thinking issues that we were thinking of before in the early 2000s in the scientific community, I think, are going to rear their ugly They're either not so ugly and they're also their ugly heads once again. Um, I, I kind of have my suspicions about AI and cloning, but maybe there might be some great scientific applications when it comes to these two areas. It would just be very interesting to see what comes about in the next 17 years before Pluto shifts from Aquarius to Pisces. So uh, with that said, um, maybe that that's something else that we can also kind of focus on if we are feeling that heavy Pluto shift as well. But anyway, getting into this week's episode. So um, another good thing about this week is I actually start thinking um, a little bit more about relationships and what is the full breadth of relationships for me. And um, I know in the seasons episode, like within Pisces season and within Aquarius season and Capricorn season, I've been focusing on relationships within the workplace. Um, I've been kind of including relationships in the workplace along with friendships and also romantic relationships. I actually would like to start a series on this podcast, um, you know, just a, a series of episodes. Dedicated to the workplace, and um, what we look at not only um, in planetary alignment, or what we're what we're kind of looking at when it comes to the workplace. How does synastry differ uh, when we're kind of judging relationships in the workplace and dynamics in the workplace, but also what we're looking for in the charts and what they can reveal? I've been trying to do this actually, um, stargazers within my current day job. Um, When it comes to the astrology and dynamics, and really I've been trying to use it in order to find ways to be more constructive and far more um, peaceful and just being far more um, diplomatic as well as trying to stay out of the drama that usually happens um, to my day to day. And really try to focus more on my goals, my work, you know, making sure that the office dynamics, whatever they may be, if they're sticky, if they're smooth, either way that they're not getting in the way of the workplace or they're not getting in the way of productivity and also the job that you're trying to do. So um, today I'm going to like, I'm just going to start off and spin it off with today Today, we're going to look at the astrology of your higher date. So we're going to start off easy. Um, I, I like this particular subject because with the higher date, you can either look at the sun's position for that particular day of the higher date, the, the, where um, the season, the particular uh, zodiac season, astrological season of where the sun was positioned during that day can reveal volumes. I mean, like volume stargazers. gazers. I, I, I was like looking at this during the week and it was just amazing to me, like what just the mere sun's position alone could reveal about like the benefits of your job but also the sticky stuff, the, the drawbacks of your job and what you might be complaining about pretty regularly, um, what might be a con pretty regularly when it comes to management, when it comes to your coworkers, when it just comes to the overall job in and of itself too, um, like I said just that sun's date on the higher date can just be it's it's amazing like how much influence it actually has, but also for today, we'll be looking at a chart actually, I would like to but ideally I'm hoping I will be able to look at two charts today and have that time for you. Um, one of a production, uh, like filming production of Black Swan. The other one, just kind of one of my, my jobs that I've had over the years and what the dynamics were, but like taking a look at the charts, seeing like what exactly, um, were the dynamics when we take a look at the ascendant we're taking a look at the moon as well as where Mars is located. So kind of getting into it. So the astrology of the higher date. What do I mean about the hire date? So um, I know that that's kind of a nebulous term, but I'm kind of following the definition from Colorado Department of Labor and Employment, and that is the hire date is basically the day in which you have started doing work. So hire date to me is your first day on the job, okay? That's different from the offer date. The offer date could also reveal a lot. Um, like when you were offered the job that could reveal a lot, but for today's episode, we're looking at like, you know, you, when you started your job the first day, you know, the influ- the astrological influences and what they could reveal about your job. Now, like, what are the benefits of this? I, I know what you guys would think is like, what are the benefits of this? Because this sounds intriguing, but you know, what are the practical applications of this? And actually, I'm glad that you asked. So. um from my personal experience with my current day job, I was hired in the middle of cancer season. I was hired July 18th. So like right smack dab in the middle of cancer season. Um, the way that I've noticed, just just noticing that I was in hired in cancer season, it's helped me in the regard of assessing the strengths of that particular, not just of that particular day, but the strengths of what I will deal with in that job. So for example, on July the 18th, what I had noticed was that a lot of my boss was very supportive. My coworkers were very supportive whenever I had questions. Um, Now, my coworkers were genuinely supportive. Like when I walked up to a coworker and I asked a question, if they did not know the answer, they genuinely would tell me so and they would genuinely find the answer, um, for me. They, there was only one coworker who was like, oh yeah, let's play with the new girl and kind of, you know, mess her up. Cause that's sometimes what, you know, sometimes that does happen within jobs. But, you know, um, with my coworkers, for the most part, they, they were like, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. They would look into it. And then they'd come back with a good answer and a, a trustworthy answer that was actually correct. Um, in this way, I kind of find that this embodied the um, very nurturing nature of cancer, you know, being nurturing, being emotionally available, just actually just being like a big cheerleader, really, for the new person or just being a big cheerleader for me. And, you know, whether I'm in what whichever season I'm in, you know, it doesn't have to be in cancer season, like if I, you know, what I've noticed throughout the months that I've been there. That's one thing that's a big positive that stays is that my coworkers are my biggest cheerleaders. I also make sure that I'm their biggest cheerleader in the office dynamic. My um boss can be very supportive, and in turn I try to make sure that I am giving him good pointers, good tips and support um, to foster a great overall healthy workplace dynamic now getting to the, you know, so it's great to know when you're walking in, like when I actually was hired July the 18th, I noticed these things and walking in, it was like, okay, so this will be the office dynamic. However, also knowing the cons of the office dynamic is very helpful. I feel like these things can be very helpful to you in order to know how to work around certain situations or how to work with certain situations. Like with the the pro of cancer season, how to promote your great office workplace um, sort of dynamics. The biggest con though um, with the current job that I have is with cancer season comes moodiness, and moodiness can be best translated to drama, lots and lots of drama, and particularly with one coworker. Um, there's always it's like every other month. He's having a dramatic moment with a coworker and he's bemoaning and worried about, he's like worried about it. He's bemoaning about it. Um, So that is definitely one big drawback um, to the season. That's been one big, and I mean, this has been a drawback that I've seen within all the months that I've been with this company. I've even seen it with management too, where management will just instantly go out of his way to stir drama, as I mentioned in the Scorpio season podcast, where um, it's like, I just felt like I was not left alone when it came to a lot of issues, but also when it came to a potential, you know, trying to dupe me into a quote unquote transfer um, when really it was and you know, he thought it was a promotion when really it was a demotion, and it it was a job that was not really well suited for me. but I mean, um again, getting back to this, the drama um is really a- a perpetual con, however, and over the months, I've had to learn how to work with the drama so that it's not getting in the way of my work, and also, I'm not a part of it on a frequent basis, so um, you know, really noticing that aspect as well, you know, if I'd noticed that aspect on the higher date, like, well, you know, cancer season, there could be perpetual moodiness and perpetual drama. You know, it's only a moment of time before the other shoe falls. Um, That's also very helpful for employees to kind of note that so that, again, you can kind of brainstorm or kind of prepare for resources that can help you to get to also promote a good flow in the workplace setting without getting involved. Like in my case, promoting constructive criticism, promoting constructive feedback. Um, You know, somebody comes up to me um, and is really dramatic about something Asking that person as to what they would like to see happen, um, kind of collaborating, making sure I'm engaging in teamwork and uh, making sure that I'm engaging in ways that can build this person to give me constructive feedback and also to where I could take that feedback and also act on it to promote a good, healthy flow in the workplace environment. I I feel like that's been like the most important um, goal that I've been learning from being hired within a cancer season hire date or within a hire date that was smack dab in the middle of cancer season. So again, that's one example, you know, it's an example of you can walk into a workplace knowing what the strengths are and you can walk into a workplace knowing like what the heck you're gonna need to do perpetually. Um, when it comes to the chart of that particular day, you can also take a look at what are some common themes that might come up a lot of times in the workplace. And particularly like with the Ascendant, if, if like the Ascendants in Scorpio, there's going to be perpetual, you know, pressure, there's going to be perpetual intensity a lot of the time. Um, Sometimes that intensity might motivate you to strive higher and to meet higher goals. Um, Other times it may just feel like, when am I not going to be in a pressure cooker? And it might like start to get really annoying. Um, Again, knowing that overarching theme can help you to say, okay, so there's going to be intensity involved, maybe like um, finding ways to pump myself up for the day, even if I'm like super tired, how to like pump myself up for the for today, and maybe also how to conserve my energy, so that I can meet those demands. But meet you know, like I can meet those demands without like exhausting, depleting myself and getting frustrated over why am I in a perpetual pressure cooker? you know, kind of alleviating the pressure cooker by allowing it to work for you as opposed to your working for it, so to speak. The moon, obviously, is the emotional impact that your higher date, you know, that you'll probably experience a lot within the job. And also Mars is also the motivate. you know, speaking of motivation, Mars being the motivator. Um, Mars is usually assessed within workplace setting, um, sort of synastry charts to see like if a boss might promote um, a sense of motivation, you know, that's healthy, but also that inspires their coworkers to do their best um, or just, you know, kind of promote, I'm sorry, to inspire their employees to do their best. Uh, if coworkers might do the same as well, too. Or even better, if you just have an intrinsic motivating factor towards your job, or if you feel like you have to continually build yourself up for it, like it's the motivations not there. It's kind of lacking because of certain factors like, um, you know, I know from from, um, working in a salon. There were many times where I could tell the Mars position from that higher date was in a um, hard aspect because it it caught. I had to really muster up a lot of motivation to come to work every day. I didn't like my job, and I, of course it was a pressure cooker sort of job too. So I didn't really like that factor. I really didn't like it was you know that you never had a break. I also didn't like the fact that I was injured on that particular job because everybody else's you know, Mars motivation was really super high to where they neglected lunch breaks and 15 minute breaks or any sort of breaks for that matter. It really didn't agree with me though. Um, And it really felt like, oh my God, when am I going to get a break? So I mean that where um, Mars is positioned in that chart can really help us to indicate like our level of motivation in the job. If we might need to, again, build ourselves up and also maybe, um, parse our energy out in order, you know, to kind of, you know, be kind to ourselves as well as, you know, meet the motivations of the workplace so that you kind of make the pressure of the workplace work for you and not, you know, have it work against you, so to speak as well too. And I feel like that would be, like I said, again, with the the chart, that's really helpful as well. So, kind of getting into it at this point, I would really love to actually take this moment to take a look so I decided so this would be um I decided you know to take a look at two charts um one rooted in reality because and it's not not all of us are actors or actresses, not all of us are aspiring directors or writers, and we don't we don't have the pleasure of working on a movie set. Uh, Most of us work in a day-to-day office job. So I um, have a chart of one of my office jobs, but from 2020. Um, You know, it was a temporary position at Denver elections, um, but I decided to pull the chart up for that time, as well as take a look at the chart I had mentioned earlier for Black Swan. So um, I want to take a look particularly in the lens of Mila Kunis. The reason for why is that Mila Kunis has been very, you know, first off, man, I love Mila Kunis. It's not just because she's a fellow Leo. Um, I love, like, how down-to-earth she really is. And just, like, part of the course right here. She's, like, very mellow, very down-to-earth, super loving, super, like, super supportive of her coworkers. I mean, she's just... She's awesome. I mean, super awesome as an actor. Um, She's one actor in my age group who I have really followed because she's just so she's just so wonderful to me. I I just I really love I really like her. Um, But one thing that I really liked about her with Black Swan is that she has been one actor who has opened up about her experiences in filming Black Swan. Whereas like say Natalie Portman, not so much. And, you know, actors sometimes do this because, um, when it comes to working with a particular director, they want to work with that particular director again, they might like parse what they might say about their working experience with that director and, you know, kind of keep that hidden, kind of keep all the, the nitty gritties kind of secret with Mila Kunis, she has been so awesome and so kind enough to actually um, deal with her day-to-day, you know, experiences with Black Swan. So I want to take a look at the chart and then kind of compare that to what she has said and see, like, what might have, a, what might have been um, on the set there. Um, I think what I will actually do for today is I will start off with the chart of Black Swan. So, um, with Mila Kunis, she has been so great to mention, um, you know, like, like I said, the ups and the downs, like I said, she's, she not, hasn't necessarily bad mouthed going on to production for that. Um, it's just kind of like, what were the pros, what were the cons and, you know, what could have been better as well. But uh, in looking at the filming date of Black Swan, it had started as of December 7th, 2009. And I kind of took that as, that was Mila Kunis' start date. So it was December 7th, 2009. And since many actors usually show up on set around like 5 a.m., I kind of put that as the, the time for the chart. So what was kind of interesting about Black Swan with the, the sun's position first and foremost When I've looked at the movie, and actually when I've seen the movie, um, and also when I've actually when I heard about it during Oscar season way back in 2010, um, I had actually had thought, uh, you know, when I was kind of thinking about this week, I kind of thought that the sun's position would be in Capricorn, and kind of thought that um, Darren Aronofsky would have started filming. In like late December, maybe into January. The reason for that is with Capricorn, while Capricorn is very industrious and very career minded, and you know, when you're hired within the season of Capricorn, while you're very industrious, you're kind of, your thoughts are focused on how to make the whole, everything about your job work out. The biggest drawback is that Capricorn being an earth sign is all about like earning money most of the time in the job setting and I think even further not just earning money but being super productive like um coming in when you have injuries coming in when you have a really bad illness like I think I remembered when I worked in Capricorn at King Supers. I remembered there was a time where I had a really nasty sinus infection and I could you know again the nature of Capricorn and the nature of the employer basically what I was told is like, no, you got to come in anyway, even though I was serving food to the public. It's like, no, you got to come in anyway, because you got to make money for us was really the bottom line of it. Um, Which again, that could be a huge drawback for many employees, because it feels like, oh, gee, my health is not really thought of and not really considered. But Especially with Mila Kunis' account of Black Swan where there were certain scenes where not only did she sustain an injury because she was doing a lot of ballet moves that she was not used to um, for like a period of eight hours or more on the film. But also, you know, on top of that, you know, to have to go back to work with said injury and just perform the scenes flawlessly, perform the dance moves flawlessly, but also to perform the emotional scenes flawlessly. Uh, That just told me that's a very Capricorn sort of theme. But um, since it was not in Capricorn, it was actually in Sagittarius. The sun's position was in Sagittarius. The one thing I think what Mila Kunis might have noticed when she first agreed to Black Swan was, You know, with Sagittarius, there's a lot of ideals and a lot of looking at the philosophical aspects of the workplace. And I think for this particular film, the philosophy of a ballerina who is starting to have a nervous breakdown, it's kind of like, you know, is ballet really very graceful and all that there is or is this young lady's account of how she's descending into a actually not a nervous breakdown, but a psychotic breakdown more than anything is her descent, her demise really kind of indicative that maybe there's a, there's a, an underbelly underneath that, but exploring um, psychological themes through ballet. I mean, that's a big, very overarching theme, very philosophical theme. And really with Mila Kunis, she could, as an actor, she could have been like, wow, this is actually intriguing. You know, we're going to blend dance. We're going to have really intense emotional scenes that could help me to, you know, really cut my chops or really kind of, you know, develop my chops and my craft of acting, you know, with the emotional intensity. this, This could be a really interesting film. Um, and also on set, when um, talking with Darren Aronofsky, the director, um, she could have noticed that he had, um, so this was probably a production where it's like, my vision, you know, the director comes by and has my vision. This is my vision. Here's where I'd like you to meet my vision. Um, very Cecil B. DeMille for me um, at this point. But uh, yeah, it's like, you know, embodying a vision. And that vision could be very philosophical, could be very broad, could be very expansively minded. And it could really seem very intriguing when you're working with this person and also working on the set. It's like, oh, wow, this could be this could be a really cool film. Um, but for Mila Kunis, I think one thing that could have been annoying more than anything, when you work in an environment during Sagittarius season, sometimes while the... Um, The mottos of the company may be upheld, mottos being kind of like the philosophical backing of the company are certainly strictly upheld in that setting. The biggest drawback is for employees, they may feel like those mottos, those philosophical backings are really broad and they're really hard to work towards. Well, for good reason, they're ideals, and ideals are very hard to work towards. They're not realistic. Um, sometimes it's good to have ideals as goals to strive for in the office setting. And also within, in this case for Mila Kunis, within a, you know, in a, a, a film setting and on a film set. But um, it can get really annoying because it can, for a, a a an employee, because it's like, oh my God, I'm working so hard. My boss is harping on me to... You know, get these mottos, get these ideals down. And I'm, it's like, I, I, I feel like I'm never achieving anything. It's like I'm grasping at air all the time. And I feel like that probably, um, was a continual complaint with Mila Kunis, probably just internally inside her head with, um, Darren, Darren Arendowski. It's like, wow, my performance never, never meets. Up to par, up to standards. It doesn't seem like it's meeting his vision. This, and it's like, I'm, I'm breaking my back. I'm, I'm literally like sustaining an injury. I'm doing everything I possibly can. And yet I'm still not meeting his ideals as well. So I could see where that's a huge frustration, especially for Black Swan being a big scale, big budget sort of movie. Um, I'm sure that that you know the pressure was high when it came to the ideals, the idealistic of the the production. So when I looked at the ascendant of Black Swan and what Mila Kunis could have found to be an overarching another overarching theme when coming onto the set of Black Swan was that the ascendant that day was in Scorpio on December seventh, two thousand nine. It was in Scorpio. Um, and I'm kind of, yeah, kind of made me crack up a little bit because I mean, Scorpio, Scorpio's about intensity. Scorpio's about, you know, working very hard, being ambitious, being laser focused. And I mean, intensity right there. Well, you look at Black Swan, it's hard to watch. It's definitely a very scorpionic underbelly sort of film. Um, you know, it's hard to watch because I mean, you're seeing scenes where, You know, with Natalie Portman's character, her toe is literally her toenails split down the middle and you see it's bleeding. You see it's kind of the toenails about ready to fall off because she's on her tippy, tippy toes all the time. You see the the incessant amount of crap that she deals with from her artistic director in the film. It's like I said, it's it's hard to watch. It's it's very it's very intense. Um and I could see with Mila Kunis where that would probably be an overarching theme, that it was very, on the set, it was very intense as well. Um, probably bringing your best, bringing your A++++ plus 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 game to the set was really emphasized more than anything. I also see with the Scorpio Ascendant, the pressure is on. Because, again, it's all about laser-like focus, and it's all about what you produce, what you provide, the accomplishments that you bring to your work. And uh, with Mila Kunis, I could kind of see where it, the pressure was high to make sure that her acting skills were on par for the emotional, like the really intensely emotional scenes between herself and Natalie Portman, um, their characters, but also making sure that even the choreography was done it was like up to par up to snuff to kind of also not only portray the uh, the immaculate ways of ballet moves that her character imparted but also that she wasn't textbook as natalie portman's character happened to be in the movie you know how to convey emotion into these um, moves and also how to up the anti of the um, the psychological backdrop of the film as well, too. So I think with Mila Kunis, it probably was a little daunting to be on set of Black Swan. It, you know, while it was an honor to be there and the intensity, it, it was probably like every day was very intense. Every day it, it might've been like pin drop silent whenever Darren Arendowski had notes to impart to the cast. Um, it was probably a set where there wasn't a ton of laughter. It was a lot of people trying to focus on, okay, I have this next scene coming up. how How can I like embody this flawlessly and make sure that the film is flawless, seamless, and that i'm I'm doing my job as an actor. So again, really, I, I almost could say grueling in a way, emotionally grueling. With the Sun being in Leo, however, so any sort of aspect in Leo in the workplace usually indicates that you're kind of your own boss, really. That's kind of a nice thing. You're kind of your own leader. So it's kind of liberating, um, especially if you're like me, Kunis, you're a Leo yourself. Um, as an actor, it's probably liberating because the whole idea of, you know, actor not only being an independent contractor, but also, you know, being able to bring to the table what you think the character, where you think the character needs to go or um, where or where she probably thought where the character needed to go was really fully embraced on the set. I would not be surprised if Darren Aronofsky actually hired only known, notable actors who have been in the industry for more than 20 years um, in order to um, kind of entrust his actors to do what he needed to do and have done without a ton of supervision. Um, that's usually any sort of aspect in Leo is usually employers bring on employees, um, again, not supervising them, not babysitting them and just make, you know, just kind of expecting. And, you know, it's like having trusted And also mature individuals, I hate to kind of say that kind of sounds a little condescending, but, you know, to have really mature individuals who know how to work by themselves, so to speak. And I think with um, the director, uh, um, Darren Arendowski, I think he brought Mila Kunis on because he had full faith in her in the regard that, you know, she'd been on that 70s show, she had a full resume, full filmography, full resume. And he kind of entrusted her to know what to do um, when it came to the acting bit and that she needed very little supervision. I think really he wanted little supervision in his actors because he also had the camera angles and some of the, you know, very Sagittarian issues of the film to um, – To kind of keep in mind, which is camera angles and edit, you know, the the camera angles and how to choreograph or how to kind of set up scenes in particular ways to kind of set up the whole mood of Black Swan and the scenes thereof. Um, I think with Mila Kunis, this was one of the liberating aspects of the job where it's like, oh, hey, it's, you know, while I have the choreography for the ballet scenes or for ballet scenes, and, you know, there's also, you know, my one-on-one with Natalie Portman's character, you know, I have the freedom of how this character really should be portrayed, so I think she should be be portrayed this way. I think uh, I see this in the script, and, you know, the fact that she had a lot of freedom to do what she felt like was needed as an actor was probably very liberating and probably very refreshing. The drawback to a moon in Leo, um, you know, so I think emotionally, um, she felt very liberated, but I think, um, some of the sticklers towards the emotional situation was that, um, you know, again, with Leo aspects, usually there's some power trips, so she might have felt like there were some people who were like part of the peanut or other actors who might have felt like they should have been part of her peanut gallery. And um, she had to find ways emotionally, she had to find ways to kind of push them aside in order to make sure her vision for the character Came alive. And such things could have been like actors coming up and saying, Oh, if I were you, I'd portray this character this way, or I'd portray this character in this scene that way, or I would do this, or I would do that. And to which she, she would probably say, Oh, really? That's nice. Only to, like I said, internally maybe like push them away, like they don't know what they're talking about. And then keep going, you know, try to, you know, stick to her track and stick to what she felt was best for the film. Um, with Mars being conjunct, um, the moon with black swan, um, that to me, so Mars is your motivator again, kind of helps with motivation in the workplace setting. I kind of felt like that motivation was really extremely high. Um, I do think that there was a pressure cooker sort of situation on set, um, it was, you know, how I, I wouldn't be surprised if lack of laughter could have been that you were seen as not being as serious on set and not being seen as a serious actor. Having bloopers or having to have outtakes were also seen as not being very serious and could be discounted against you. Um, So it was probably a set not full of laughter and probably a set full of actors' ambitions. And what I mean by that is how um, – like with Mila Kunis, for instance, I think with Mila Kunis, she kind of felt like, how can I keep my energy rolling for these very grueling, emotionally intense, physically intense – I mean, especially with the ballet moves where a lot of individuals don't always understand is that – Apparently with ballet, you know, I never had understood this fully until it was like relayed to me. I really, um, have not understood like how de- physically demanding, um, ballet moves are. You know, they look very graceful, effortless and easy, but in, in reality, they're really not. And, I mean, to put up with the emo- the physical grueling um, aspects of the film, as well as the emotionally really intense aspects of the film, um, I think with Mila Kuna she had to figure out how to really keep that energy going or keep her own energy going. And also I, I really think that one thing that she learned about Black Swan that she really took with her to future um, projects that she had to like really keep in mind um, from the movie is how to parse out or how to, I don't know if parsing out is the right word. How to take it easy when it comes to the energy that you expend on a particular film. Like how to just expend just a little bit at a time. So that, again, um, the energy works for you and your work works for you and you're not working for it's, it's not like you're working for the film. It's like you're making the film work for you and you're also taking good care of yourself in turn. But I also wouldn't be surprised, you know, with the ambition and with, um, you know, the productivity, if it was extremely high, if um, really for Black Swan, there were like 18 hour days placed on set or even more than that um, placed on set. So long, grueling hours um, where actors had to really figure out how to like make their energy Work for them so that they're not depleted and exhausted for a scene that they have to be really ramped up for. One last little aspect um, was that the Moon and Mars were also opposite, complete opposition to um, there was Chiron as well as uh, Neptune. So I think I kind of embodied the Neptune aspect where it just felt like, you know, emotionally. That ideal of the film, you know, all the ideals, the really high Sagittarian ideals, especially of the film had to be met. And sometimes it was just really grueling and really hard to meet that. I think in turn with Mila Kunis, she had to find out how to work with visions you know, so to speak of directors, the director's vision, you know, AKA their ideals, their, their mottos, so to speak, and, you know, how to work with that realistically as well as effectively Um, with Chiron. It's not a surprise to me that maybe, you know, filming brought out a lot of little internal wounds from Mila Kunis and possibly throughout the whole cast, like the whole cast had like maybe some wounds that were pervading from childhood that kind of came out on set because of just the just the environment that the set had really. And I think for Amila Kunis, that was probably why in an interview she said, you know, Black Swan, it was like the love of my life and it was like, you know, the 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 love of my life that continually abused me every single day was I think the the nature of what she mentioned um, of the film. Well, she mentioned it was incredible to work with Darren Aronofsky. It was an incredible film to work on. Um, just the the stuff she like. I said the physical ailments, the emotional intensity. Everything was just like it was just intense. It was a lot um, for her, but she she was on the map. It, it did kind of cause her to become on the map. Um, along with Natalie Portman, the film was nominated for an Academy award, uh, back in 2010 and it received like, I mean, critical, I, I think, Whenever it does air or whenever I've checked it out from the library to watch it, it comes with like how many, you know, like 10 to 20 to 50 different critics who have just lauded the film like no other. And it, it, the intensity and everything about it does come across. I think Darren Arendowski did a great job with his director, sorry, directing abilities. And I do think like with Mila Kunis, it was kind of refreshing to see her in a role where she was an antagonist as opposed to being the sweet, lovable Jersey girl as we saw with that 70s show or, you know, just the, the girl next door that we kind of see her being um, portrayed in as like with bad moms um, or just that down to earth person as we see with bad moms and with some of her other um her other work, filmography um, works, some of her other movies. So I think all the way around, while it was grueling, I think in the in turn possibly worth it for Mila Kunis. Um, you know, I think especially with her chart um, having her Sun in Leo, perhaps the Moon in Leo and Mars in Leo could have really vibed with her and really could have worked with her as well too, um, with with on within set, but. Overall, this is the kind of like the chart of like what she could have, you know, like anybody who has this in the chart or these aspects in the chart, here are some things to kind of think about or here's, or here are like a couple of factors to think about in the workplace. So stargazers, I have a second chart, um, to present to you today. And this is from my work with Denver elections. Now, I decided to present this chart because not all of us are famous actors. Even though I really wanted to be an actor, so did when I was in my teens, especially my 20s. And even though I kind of felt like I failed the profession a bit, um, you know, it's maybe I didn't fail. Maybe it's one of those professions where it's just, it's hard to get into. Um, I'm working on those issues every day. I have been for like the last 10, years or so. Um, you know, like I said, I, I understand that, you know, even though I compare a lot of my workplace settings to what it would be like being an actor, cause I secretly want to be. So I know many of us don't always have that dream. And many of us are not actors or actresses that we're usually working in mundane working settings, not on a film set. So I want to embody, um, a little bit of what it was like to work at Denver Elections with its chart, and also what I noticed in turn. So when I was hired for Denver Elections, it was of August the 10th, 2020. So um, it was during the pandemic, and I was actually, I felt very thankful and very fortunate enough to be able to work in the pandemic, um, even though I had to wear a mask everywhere where I went. I, you know, to be honest with you, when I had to wear a mask everywhere where I went, I just kind of considered it's like, that's a minor task compared to actually getting full blown COVID. So, um, that was, it's like, that's the least of my worries. COVID is more of my worries. I'll just do whatever it takes to prevent the spread and really also making sure I don't get COVID as well. But, um, during this time, uh, the moon or not the moon, the sun was in Leo. So kind of similar to Mila Kunis, Uh, this was a working environment where we were actually trained to do everything that was encompassed in the workplace setting. You know, we were trained on the system. We're trained exactly as to what we were supposed to do so that by the next day, we actually, what was expected of us, it, it wasn't like an employer was standing over our shoulder and telling us what we needed to do, we actually just got to work. We were actually just able to just get to work and do what we felt was needed for the department. And I need to specify even more with that. Um, it wasn't just what we felt. It was what was needed for the department. But, you know, it was up to us to take a look at the to-be-done pile. It was up to us as to how fast or how slow we wanted to work with documents. I know I tend to be more on the slow end myself in order to be accurate, since it was a data entry position. But, um, you know, it's like you had your choice as to how fast or how slow. There weren't numbers. There weren't a lot of people browbeating you to be faster or numbers to meet or anything of that nature as you would find like maybe in a retail setting. So for me, that stood out and it gave me a lot of freedom. It also gave me a lot of freedom to also choose when I could take breaks because I never had that before. I had worked within the barbering industry previously, and I usually had to ask when I would, when I could take like a lunch break. And usually it always depended upon how many customers were in the barbershop or salon. With Denver Elections, it was like there weren't customers waiting for their hair to be cut. There weren't customers waiting actively in the office. It's like the work will be waiting for you. The work will get done no matter what. So it's like being able to take a 15 um, and choosing that time being able to choose which time I took my lunch and my last 15 were really also incredibly liberating for me as well, too. And having my son in Leo as well, um, you know, having the son's position, being very close to my son's position, I think it really heightened a sense of freedom um, and autonomy in the workplace, which was very liberating. Of course, the drawback that I really could have um, really seen a lot more effectively with Denver elections was that with Leo aspects, so like with the sun and Leo, again, there were power trips. There were a couple of my coworkers who thought because they were there longer, they were there since June, they were there since May. I think I remembered there was one particular coworker who I remembered um, it was November, and he was just hired. I think it was like late October to November. I'd been there for a while. He had not. And he just felt he could just take over and boss everybody around. That really is very atypical of a Leo Sun hire date where it's like there are coworkers who they have their ego trips they have their weird ego trips uh, about them. And um, they have they think they know best. So you deal with some power struggles and power issues. Um, I think there was even one coworker I remember who would get onto teams and be very snarky towards me. And there was one point where it's like, uh, I, I had to evaluate a lot of all these power trips that were coming out and ego trips that were coming out of these individuals. It's like, okay, so they're coming out. These individuals feel like they have these rights. So it's like how to. I remember just having to stand back and saying, okay, how can we, you know, address this without, you know, making situations worse? And um, it was, you know, it was kind of, again, it was very liberating to be able to take a look at that and also actually do it. But by the same token, I just, I, I'm of the, I'm of the decree when I work of not having drama at all. Um, it's just the Libra influence in me. I hate drama. I really like to be without drama in the workplace. So it really was a thorn at my side, but I always gave myself like a big old pat on the back when I handled it. Like, I think with the guy who was being very snarky on teams, I think I handled it to where I could express, like, I just expressed things very constructively, but also kind of revealed to him, it's like, hey, your snarky remarks aren't welcome. I think it was something along the lines of I appreciate your input, but I really want to hear from the person who's in charge of this particular project. Um, so, really kind of taking that into consideration, I really could have, like take in the full-mindedness. Also the fact that Denver elections, it was a temporary position. Unfortunately, with Leo Sun um, higher dates, it, it's, it's always a blast. It's always fun. That I tend to overlook that when it's over, or when that there are things that arise that I'm kind of blindsided by it. And this was no different. So, how to handle, um, you know, how to handle power trips, but also how to handle things that could blindside you, and how to, you know, how to be more prepared for them in the future. The ascendant was in Virgo, which I actually I also kind of chuckled. Um, Virgo you know, ascendants, the theme usually is um, perfection, or not not just perfection, but precision, and really meeting that. Sometimes I think the biggest drawback with a Virgo ascendant or any sort of aspect in Virgo is that there is favoritism. There's something about Virgo that always likes to pick the favorite. It's like Virgo, Cancer are usually like two of the signs that I find in the Zodiac who love, you know, their shadow side is that especially in the workplace, they love to pick favorites. And I always say whenever favoritism is acted upon, personally for me, I know I'm screwed because I'm never, ever, ever the favorite. And that was also very particular with Denver elections. Um, you know, the head of the head of the department um, favored the guy, one of the new guys who was very um, egotistical, had a power trip on him. In fact, she delegated him to be like her eyes and ears on the department, you know, forget about my manager, forget about my boss being the eyes and the ears of the department. This guy, for some reason or another, for some bizarre circumstance was the eyes and the ears of the department. And he really took this mission. Like he was like Joan of Arc almost. And, uh, it was, it was not fun to deal with. And also it kind of made me wonder. It's like, why is the new guy, the eyes and the ears? Why isn't somebody who is established in the department? Why aren't they the eyes and the ears? And again, I just felt like it's because this guy, for some reason, vibed. You know, he was big about networking. Um, he was big about vibing with people. Apparently, he vibed in the right way with the head of the head of the department. And uh, yeah, it was a very it was another tricky thing to have to deal with. I felt like though, in taking a step back, the way to prepare for that is you know if you're not going to be the favorite. How can you still, you know, what, what are maybe like focusing on your goals, maybe focusing on what you'd like to have happen and making sure that those things come into fruition, I think are like the best things possible. If you know that you're not going to be the favorite, you know, that favorites are picked and that's just the way it goes That's where you could just say, okay, maybe I can liberate myself from that. Maybe it's not good to be the favorite of the office setting. And maybe this gives me more room to focus on what I feel might need to to happen. And I felt like that it gave me more room to focus on, you know, really making sure to meet deadlines or making sure to meet, um, you know, voter registration deadlines for that particular year. The moon at that time was also in uh, Taurus. This was also very interesting in the regard that, okay, so Taurus, I tend to, so stargazers, you're going to have to forgive me um, with Taurus. There are times where I tend to have a little bit, I'm a little bit fuzzy with Taurus sometimes. Um, Even though I've studied Taurians all the time. Um, it's energies sometimes, sometimes elude me, but I think the biggest thing was there was a sense of comfort. You know, there's creature comforts with tourists. They like to feel comfortable in their surroundings. And for me with Denver elections, I really did feel very comfortable, um, emotionally and there was nothing that was causing duress There was nothing that was really um, out of place, even though there are annoying things like favoritism and power trips that kind of came out. I felt like they were easy to handle because overall I was comfortable just being my own independent, autonomous employee and worker, and I was able to handle those things easily. Um, you know, the drive of the workplace was definitely, especially towards um, the elections, while it wasn't on numbers, it was on making sure to get as many um, people registered to vote as possible. And I kind of feel like that's like um, an office environment where it's focused on either numbers or money, as well too make I think with the department um, the, the feeling of let's make sure our money is well spent on our temporary employees and making sure they get you know the deadlines of how many voter register you know how many voters are registered in the system, um, you know making sure that that's like a vast amount that were the pride and the apple of the Secretary of State's eyes. Those were things that were also considered, um, while that might be a little daunting in other positions, you know, other moon positions of the chart, I felt like with um, the Taurus position, with the moon, um, it was something that was easily manageable, even though um, there was a lot on, you know, practical matters such as meeting numbers, meeting goals of the department, um, particularly when we came up to elections fact that uranus was also near the moon at that time conjunct the moon at that time it was kind of interesting usually that leads to either some sort of erraticism with moods or also some sort of forward thinking motion with moods as well as being in a highly um Politically oriented or a very socioeconomic oriented viewpoint workplace, that definitely was Denver elections. Actually, I think a lot of people had to be corrected from discussing politics in the workplace because we were a politically neutral place. Um, But I really felt like um, for me, I tended emotionally, I felt like I tended to have a lot of energy um, to kind of get things done. I, had, I was very energetic at the end of the day. I felt very energized to come in to the workplace every day. There's just a very dynamic, forward-moving movement um, within the workplace, like a very forward-thinking sort of um, action and behavior that was in the workplace every day that was very inspiring to me. So I think that helped to my benefit as well. Then, um, you know, there was also Mars being an Aries. Um, So Mars being an Aries, definitely the motivation is high. It's like super high. In fact, the motivation is, what can I get done? How can I keep moving? It's very similar to Scorpio. But um, I think with Aries, it's even more so because there's a fire that's backing the sign, where it's how can I keep moving? How can I keep going? How can I keep my goals you know, setting afoot and my ideals going as well, too, or my ideals going and continually going, you know, it's kind of like Energizer Bunny sort of energy. (laughs) Um, Well, I personally, you know, personally, I felt, you know, with Mars in that position, even though technically, it was, so it was at 22 degrees. So it was opposite my moon, and Pluto and Saturn placements, I actually still felt very motivated to come to work every day. I still actually felt very motivated. I mean, when November came along, I still felt very motivated to keep going. I I was actually convinced that if I happened to be permanently hired, this was a permanent position, I wouldn't have a problem coming to work every day. And this would have been like a dream job for me to come in. My motivation was definitely in my energy for the job was very high, not so high to where I lost steam in the middle of the day and crashed. Um, you know, it was high enough to where I could get things done but also not feel depleted. I think with the energy, it was just the right amount of energy expended. And for some reason, I think also with this position, it kind of caused me to be like, let me be as productive as I possibly can. And it was not a problem for me. My head was just already there. Even though it, like I said, it was opposite my moon. um, Usually moon oppositions in, in birth charts can be kind of dicey. Um, it didn't really pose too much of a risk there. Um, I think really the ambitious, you know, whereas if I were without work, I would have been hot tempered and power mongering. I felt like um, the workplace was a great place to where I could channel my hot temper into a better cause. And I, I think that's why, that's why Denver elections stood out for me as being um, a good workplace to work for, ideal, actually. So even though Mars was squared, Pluto and um, Jupiter and Saturn at that time, I kind of felt like those themes were already encompassed with the power mongering attitudes. And I think more with um, the department, but also with me too, you know, channeling my anger, I really did not personally have a power mongering attitude, but maybe others did. They kind of felt that energy where their their aggressive energy may have been channeled to power mongering as well. And for me, it was how to handle that um, effectively and constructively. The sun, moon, as well as Mercury, Mercury were squared. Also Uranus was as well. Um, What was indicated with that was that a lot of um, words that were said, a lot of thoughts were usually emotionally charged at that time. I could see that with the head of the head, she lost her cool, especially due to her stress with election season. She did not handle stress well. I felt like she should have stepped down from her position That year, just seeing how many outbursts she had had, it was just terrible. But for me, uh, the way to work around it was just exactly that, just to work around it, Make sure I was focused in. I felt like there are times where I felt like I had to duck at my desk while I was still working in order to make sure that her energy, her outbursts were not coming my way. You know, that feeling like when somebody has an outburst, you get that chill up and down your spine. You feel like they're going to be coming right at you. There are times where I just felt like I had that feeling and I had to duck in order to protect myself from those energies coming my way, which fortunately for me, they did not. But fortunately for the department and everybody else, this person stepped down uh, the year later and moved. I think she moved someplace else in the United States. I think that was a good move for her as well as for everyone who was around her. No one should ever have to witness outbursts. I think that that just means you're in the wrong profession. You need to revamp. Um, no outbursts from me though, um, which I think was good. I've kind of felt like it was around me, but again, within the workplace setting, um, those sort of things could happen. And it's really how to like, keep your calm, how to keep your cool so that it doesn't affect you from your mission and what you need to do in the workplace. I also think that with Uranus being near the sun, you know, being square at the sun and also the moon being square at the sun, that there might have been a lot of emotional, like high octane, sporadic emotional issues that were contradicting the, you know, the themes of that time um, that were Kind of dicey to work around, and again, you know, in emotional outbursts. So again, like with the emotional outbursts, really trying to work around that as well in the workplace environment. All right, stargazers, I understand this was kind of a long episode, um, but hopefully, it kind of gave you a good insight. As to the higher date. And like I said, with the higher date, you don't have to get into detail as I did with the chart. You can just kind of say, Hey, if I'm hired March the 1st, I'm in Pisces season and really like studying Pisces seasons, the good, the good and the bad. And what might that, how might that um, translate to in the workplace setting as well? But I hope that this was helpful. I hope that this is informative, that it kind of inspires you to look at that higher date, like higher date of previous jobs. Maybe just look at the sun's position and see like maybe how that might have influenced that job or how that might have influenced how you felt about that job and what were things that you came up with. If you guys find anything really profound um, with that higher date, please feel free to share with me. I would love to hear from you. Uh, you can contact me at Misek.Sandra at gmail.com or on my Instagram page at Sandra.Misek. And again, that my last name is spelled M-I-S-E-K. Also, Stargazers, I just want to point out I did revamp my Patreon page. I do want to hear, I do want to give some more shout outs because of people who have supported my podcast um, really your support is, um, it will really mean the world to me as well as it helps to support my podcast. Um, you can visit patreon.com forward slash seventh house astrology for more details and you know, about the membership level as well as, um, what is entailed with that. But above all stargazers, do not be afraid to look up at the stars, I did so last night and there is a, like a rusty colored, I don't know if there's a planet out, but I noticed that like two stars were like rusty colored. One was in the hand of Orion's belt, um, that makes up Orion's belt. And then the other one was just like a little bit, like maybe 20 degrees away from that. So I'm not sure if there's like two different planets there. Like maybe if Mars might be there and then maybe there's another planet there. Or if they're just two different stars, but it was it was a neat sight. It was pretty cool. I was like, wow, this is kind of interesting. But definitely don't be afraid to look up at the stars. It's a great sight to see. We also get into the origins of astrology when we look up at the up at the stars as well too. The moon is still, even though she is waning, she's still pretty full. So really heightening and lightening up the sky as well. Um, above all, too, it also just gives us kind of a little break from our day and, for me, a great hugo moment for the, the evening. But above all, stargazers, between this week and next week, I do hope to find you well. And until then.